You're listening to 89.5 FM KOPN Columbia, Mid-Missouri's source for in-depth news, diverse talk and music of the world. It's not just radio, it's community radio on the web at kopn.org. And this is Speaking of the Arts. Good morning and welcome to Speaking of the Arts, Mid-Missouri's only in-depth weekly art show. My name is Diana Moxham. I love True False Weekend. We get the chance to see tens of incredible documentaries, meet the film's directors, and sometimes even the subjects of the documentaries too. What I love the most, though, is that in this era of us all being in our political and preference silos, this is a chance for us to have a massive shared experience, and not only within our own community, but with other people from across the country and from around the world. In such divided times, this oneness feels incredibly special. So let me start by saying a huge thank you to all the people who work tirelessly year-round to create this incredible fest in Colombia. To all the supporters and sponsors who help to make such a huge fest financially viable. And to all the filmmakers and their subjects who let us into their lives and show us new truths about the world beyond our own experiences. For many years now, True False has designated one film as their True Life Fund, a philanthropic effort that raises money and awareness for the subjects featured in one of the documentaries. It is easy to forget, as we sit down for a weekend of entertainment, that for many of the lives we encounter in the documentaries, life is harrowing, and that many of them have put their lives on the line to tell us their story. The True Life Fund allows us as viewers to respond to the stories we see and create change by making a donation to the real-life people whose stories are revealed. This year's True Life Fund film is Welcome to Chechnya, directed by David France. David is an investigative journalist and has written for Newsweek, The New York Times and New York Magazine. He directed the award-winning documentary The Death and Life of Marsha P. Johnson and the Academy Award-nominated documentary How to Survive a Plague. I am so delighted to welcome to today's show director David France, cinematographer and translator Igor Mayakotin, and one of the people who shared his life and his fight in Welcome to Chechnya, Maxim Lapunov. Maxim, Igor, you David. Spicy, <laughs> Did I get that right? Good morning. <laughs> David, I got to watch your documentary the other night, and I have to admit I was a little nervous about watching it because I knew it contained some short scenes of graphic violence against a community of people I love, value, and respect. But whilst it is certainly a story that was born out of hate, it is actually a documentary about love. And I'm curious, at what point of your filmmaking journey did that become apparent to you? Well, uh, thank you for having us here, Dan. It's it's, uh, great to be on your show. Um, I think that, uh, uh, you know, I, I also thought going into it that it was a story about a kind of a hate and hatred that hadn't uh, existed in decades and decades this 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 desire to just wipe out an entire community um, of LGBTQ people in the south of Russia and um, when I learned that uh, the a, a small group of activists in Russia had pulled together to create a kind of a vast underground network to get people to safety and to rescue people actually um, uh, I wanted to go and tell that story and that's that really is the story of love that's the story of the community taking care of itself that's the story of um, people reaching out uh, to help strangers um, and it's also I discovered um, certainly with a story of Maxime that it's a story of um, kind of individual and romantic love also and then that's really what everybody's fighting for there just the the ability to um, to experience the full expression of one's heart. It, it is, and I think that I think that comes across very strongly in the film, and it is beautiful to watch that that love unfold as we watch the movie. Um, it's your third film, and it completes what you call your outsider activism trilogy. But tell us a little bit about what this film is about. Uh, this film really is about an, an amazing um, kind of courage. Um, that um, of the kind I have never experienced. Um, people who are, are, as activists, not at all uh, prepared to take on the kind of uh, dangers and risks to their own lives that they found themselves undertaking. And they did that because they couldn't not. 
Um, and that's what I was interested in finding. What is that core feature inside some people, maybe most people, that allows them to to respond so selflessly to, to such a, a horror as this? Um, whereas m- most of us, I would imagine, um, uh, would run the other way. Uh, the people that I met doing this work um, didn't have to do it, yet they had to do it. And... Um, uh, and, and I think that shows us the the, the power of the human spirit um, in a way and the, the ability to recognize and defend uh, someone else's humanity um, under extreme conditions. And I was, I was incredibly moved by the work that they were doing and, um, and uh, by their interest in and willingness to allow me to witness it. It's called Welcome to Chechnya. Um, a lot of it is set not in Chechnya, but set in, in Russia and in, in Moscow. Why the title Welcome to Chechnya? Well, Chechnya is Russia, obviously. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> uh, you know the southern um, most uh, republic. Um, and uh, uh, I, I, f- for the longest time, as I was shooting this film, I was in the network with, within Russia proper, not inside Chechnya. And there was something about going there, and I, uh, I accompanied the, uh, the activists on extractions, as they called them, rescuing people by hand, um, in, in secret, um, in the middle of Chechnya, that, um, that, that made me feel like, like, you know, kind of welcome to the real world, welcome to what's going on today. Um, uh, it, was, it, 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 invites, uh, uh, it invites us to witness this thing. That um, that has we've been told is not happening, uh, and invites us all to recognize that we're seeing it and knowing, having seen it, that we have some sort of obligation to to do something about it. It's an incredibly dangerous film to make, not only mm-hmm. for the subjects and the activists, but for you going in there too. How what did you do to protect yourself? Well, I didn't feel, you know, there's still something in the world about being an American that um, that gives a certain level of, of protection. I didn't feel that I was under any real threat of, um, um, you know, mortal threat, if you will. Um, I, our security advisors suggested that, um, that I certainly could be, um, you know, bounced around mm-hmm. by security forces and, um, you know, uh, handled very roughly. Um, and so that was the worst that I was worried about for me personally. I was much more worried about the people who were doing the work, that, that if there was anything that I did in my uh, uh, guerrilla-style filmmaking that might reveal who they were and what they were up to, that I would be endangering them. And, and, they, and da- the, those dangers for, um, for the Russian activists and, and even more particularly for the people who are in flight, trying to um, mm. run for their own lives. The, the, those are the people I worried for the most. Max, uh, we, we, Max doesn't speak much English, so Igor is going to translate for us. So you're going to be hearing a little bit of Russian, and then and then you'll hear Igor vo- Igor's voice uh, in translation. Max, you are Russian, not Chechen, but you were working in Chechnya when you were abducted. Can you tell us why you were there and what happened that day? The Nerusky. Ты русский, ты не чеченец, но ты жил в Чечне. Ты можешь сказать о том, что ты там делал в Чечне и что с тобой случилось? Здравствуйте всем. Да, меня зовут Максим. Я работал почти два года в Чечне. Yes, hi everyone. My name is Maxim. I worked for two years in Чечне. Я хотел организовать там свой бизнес. Я занимался Eventом, то есть организацией праздников. I wanted to start my own business there. I was an event planner. Приехал я туда работать на всероссийскую ярмарку меда. I came to work there for the all Russian um, honey fair. И затем остался, чтобы попытаться развить свой бизнес. And then I decided to stay and to develop my own business there. За это время я научился делать всякие прикольные вещи из воздушных шаров. I started doing many wonderful, beautiful things with balloons. И занимался вот такой раздачей радости людям. And I was just giving happiness to people, really. 
And on the day that you were taken, you were making balloon animals. И когда тебя забрали, ты делал шары из зверей. Да, вечерами я работал на улице, просто торгуя воздушными шарами и всевозможными игрушками. Yes, I was actually working outside, selling the balloons that I was making. Это была одна из моих таких маленьких работ. This was one of the jobs that I was doing there. Да, и в этот день меня забрали, видела очень много людей. And that was the day when I was kidnapped, I was taken, a lot of people saw that. Um, do you, what happened? Do you know, did you know where you were being taken or why you were being taken? Что случилось? Ты знал, кто тебя забирает, почему тебя забирают? Нет, это был обычный день, и я ничего не предвещала беды. No, it was an ordinary day, and I had no idea whatsoever what was going to happen to me. Одну неделю до того, как меня забрали, a week before that, из моего дома забрали моего друга. A friend of mine was detained from the house that I used to live in. Я много сил потратил на его поиски, писал заявление в полицию. I was trying to look for him. I filed some sort of an official search for this person. Все, что они мне говорили, это, наверное, он что-то натворил, и родственники его сами забрали, чтобы наказать. Его во дворе моего дома запихали в машину насильно, незаконно, и он очень громко кричал, звал на помощь. Конечно, я такой ситуации очень испугался и сразу позвонил его родственникам, и мы начали большие поиски. And I was so scared, I called his relatives and we started looking for him. So, and what happened to you when they took you? А что с тобой случилось, когда тебя забрали? А его освободили тебя? моего друга, да. Освободили моего друга, он пришел ко мне, чтобы что-то мне сказать. Uh, the, they released the person uh, and he came to me to tell me something. Я как раз в этот день работал, продавал на улице воздушные шары. I was working that day selling the balloons. И он подошел ко мне, попросил подожди две минуты, я отдам заказ и мы сможем пообщаться. And he said he came to me and said I'll wait here for a little bit, I'm gonna be right back. Но когда я вернулся, его уже не было. But he never came. И буквально через два часа ко мне подошли незнакомые абсолютно мне люди. And in about two hours, strangers came up to me. Они не были одеты в рабочую форму, то есть полицейскую или военных. They were dressed as civilians. Они были в простой одежде. И один из них подошел, поздоровался со мной, назвал меня по имени. О, Макс, привет, давно не виделись, как дела? And one of them came to me and he said, Hey, Max, haven't seen you in a while. How have you been? Взял меня под руку и потащил. Grabbed me by my arm and started dragging me. Я ничего не понял, я даже не успел ничего понять. I didn't even have time to process what was happening. А через секунду подошел второй, взял меня под вторую руку, и они уже поволокли меня насильно. And then the second one came, also grabbed me by my other arm, and they were dragging me really hard at that point. Буквально в паре метрах от меня был невысокий забор, за которым была припаркована машина. There was a, sh a short fence, and they got me out uh, over the fence and put me into the car. Там ждали еще двое. There were two more people there. Они быстренько перепрыгнули через забор, взяли меня за ноги и начали перетаскивать через забор. Я начал кричать, звать на помощь. I started screaming, calling for help. Я очень сильно испугался. I was very scared. И подбежали многие люди, женщины, с которыми я работал на улице, начали мне помогать и звать на помощь других людей. And people who were there, they out in the streets, they saw that and they started screaming. Women started screaming and calling for help, tried to help me. А место, где я работал, это кинотеатр и место для отдыха, это большой торговый центр. I was working outside of a movie theater, so there were a lot of people there. Поэтому там всегда очень много людей. И люди начали подбегать и тянуть меня, то есть пытаться отбить, защитить от этих неизвестных людей. And people were actually trying to help me. They were trying to get get me out of the van. Они достали оружие и люди отошли сразу. And then the guys who were dragging me in the car, they pulled out guns, and then everyone just stopped. Меня засунули в машину и сказали, что обвиняют меня в убийстве. They put me in the van and they said, you're being accused of murder. Я требовал, чтобы они показали удостоверение, кто они такие, но так этого и не произошло. I asked them for their IDs, but they didn't show me anything. В Грозном есть такая 
тенденция, значит, через каждые 100 или 200 метров находится охранник, специальный военный с оружием, который охраняет периметр города. Это армия Кадырова. This is Kadyrov's people. And Ramzan Kadyrov is the leader of the Chechen government. And Grozny is the capital city, which is where you were taken, you were abducted from. И эти военные подбежали также к нам, потому что увидели шум, крики, их было трое. Они записали мои данные, записали данные тех, кто меня запихал в машину. And then these people at a checkpoint, uh, they stopped us and they wrote everything down because they heard the screams in the van. И когда те люди, которые меня засунули машину, объяснили мне, что-то им сказали, и нас отпустили, мы поехали. And then they had a conversation um, and we kept going. Меня отвезли в отдел уголовного розыска. And they uh, got me to a police station. Да, и там я провел две недели, мучительные две недели. And I spent really horrible two weeks there. And you, they tortured you while you were there? Они пытали тебя? Да, меня избивали, очень много было комментариев очень плохих. Yes, they were beating me constantly, and uh, they were telling me really bad things right straight in my face. У меня была из, ну, отбита, наверное, у меня была в синяках вся спина, ягодицы, ноги, вся задняя часть тела была избита. My whole body was covered in bruises. Она просто была синяя. It was just blue. Спал я в маленькой камере, которая была просто залита кровью. Один угол был прям залит кровью. I was, I was sleeping in a small cell, and the whole floor was covered with blood. А вместо постели мне дали обычную картонную коробку, очень большую, на которой я мог спать. I was sleeping on a cardboard box. У меня забрали куртку, забрали кофты, я был только в одних штанах, обуви и простой футболке. Uh, they took away my jacket, my sweater, I was just sleeping in um, pants and a t-shirt. Издевались почти каждый день. Не почти, а каждый день. And they were making fun of me every day. Били, сначала очень жестоко били, потом просто били руками, то есть, ну, ладошками ударяли, есть, так, чтобы синяков больше не было. They were beating me violently, and at some point they started hitting me with the palms of their hands, so there would be no bruises on my body. Did you, they say they were going to kill you? Они говорили, что тебя убьют. Да, каждый день я это слышал, что такие, как я, то есть геи, не должны жить на белом свете, что я приехал в Чечню совращать, якобы совращать людей, чеченцев. Yes, they've been telling me that such people cannot live, that gays cannot live on this earth, and they told me that I came to Chechnya to seduce people. Для них я извращенец, который портит их народ. I was a pervert for them who was spoiling their people. И они намеревались, они конкретно мне в лицо говорили, что мы тебя убьем, ты не, ты не будешь жить. Почему ты думаешь, тебя отпустили? Спасибо моим родственникам, моему парню, девушке, которая не дозвонилась до меня, это не моя девушка, это моя подруга, не дозвонилась до меня вовремя. Family and my boyfriend, they started looking for me. Я рассказывал об истории, когда забрали моего друга из дома, и я очень перепугался и сообщил сразу своим родственникам, что если что-то со мной случится, мы будем созваниваться каждый день. Если я не отвечу, поднимайте тревогу. I told my family when my friend got missing from uh, the apartment building where he used to live. I told my family. If I, if I go missing, please raise the alarms and go look for me, please. В это время уже чувствовалась какая-то странная ситуация в Грозном. And it was a, it was a tense time in Grozny at that time, in 2017. 
2017 was when the government had a huge crackdown and that was when it began to be uh, come out into the Western media too. <sighs> there was an article, I think, in the New Yorker Correct. by Marsha uh, Gessen, Gessen yeah. which was what in, uh, inspired you to go and make the story, David. Exactly, yeah. And um, One of the decisions that you made was how you wanted to portray the subjects while retaining their anonymity, which was really important. And you didn't want to go down the option of using actors or disguising the people's voices in a darkened room. You uh, instead dove into uh, visual effects and Uncanny Valley. Would you just tell us a little bit about that journey and how you... Because it's amazing to watch the film, that how, how the faces look. Tell us a bit about that. Well, this what's going on in Chechnya is really a kind of a, an a ethnic cleansing from within. You know, it's this effort, uh, a stated, formal, uh, uh, top-down, government-controlled um, uh, effort to uh, eradicate uh, the LGBTQ community, to cleanse the blood of the Chechen people. That's the way it's described. This is really an official campaign. Um, and uh, and what everybody knows who who has managed as uh, Maxim has to escape is that they that's not enough that getting away is not enough leaving the country is not enough um, you will be pursued to the end of the earth so um, the people who have began their journeys as I was filming um, knew that they could not. Uh, leave behind any record of their ongoing ex existence. Um, and that had limited in, in significant ways the way the news media had covered what was going on there. Um, and I asked if it wouldn't be possible for me, when I first met the, the people who were um, bravely trying to make their way to out of there, if it wouldn't be possible for me to um, uh, shoot them uh, and watch them and follow them um, uh, with their faces exposed to me so that I could see what their journey was like for them. So I could um, experience, you know, their emotional, um, uh, um, you know, lives, I guess, at this horrendous time. Mm -hmm. and, um, and that I would find some way to disguise them. So I made them that promise. Um, I'm grateful that they um, agreed. Um, and... Um, and then uh, I had to, um, with Igor's help and the rest of my crew's help, had to find a way to do it <laughs> that would actually allow us to find that that humanity and tr track that humanity through the film without giving away anybody's identities. And um, so I tried what other documentary filmmakers have tried, and all of it seemed either false or dehumanizing. Um, and what eventually we, we, we started working with was this new technology that would allow us to put someone else's face digitally over the faces of the people who we were shooting. Um, and uh, it's, we're not asking the, the actor, let's, let's say, to act. We're just taking the elements of his or her face ingesting it into this algorithm and using that algorithm to map over the faces of the people who I was following in the film. So the expressions are belong to the people I was sh shooting. The, uh, the eye movements, the mouth movements, the words that come out, all of that belong to the person I shot. But they're shielded with this digital um, skin that um, that um, it's kind of deep fake technology. It, it's 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 worrying how it can be used badly. But I mean, you used it to. I used it to effects. find a kind of a deep truth, right? right? So that so what what it allowed me to do is um, to give back to people like Maxime in the film the power to tell their own story, mm. to re. State re reinstate their humanity. Um, it's uh, you know t for them to tell the truth. You know for mm -hmm. the truth to come out, and, um, and and in that way it does take the deep fake um, AI work and turns it right on its head, and makes it a powerful tool for mm -hmm. uh, revealing truths that otherwise would remain hidden out of fear and threat. Max. Um, you are the first survivor of the Chechen purge to testify in court about your detainment and torture. Um, 
But as we see in the film, the legal system that you have faith in lets you down. Um, the case is now being pursued at the European Court of Human Rights in Strasbourg. But what can they do? I mean, Chechen and Russia do their own thing. What teeth does the European Court of Human Rights have to change what's happening in Chechnya? They do have a, tr uh, a traditional strength in regard to cases brought against Russia. Max, as you point out, uh, exhausted all domestic remedies and then moved into the, to the European courts, where... Um, they they do their own investigation and they they render a judgment. Um, in this case, if they uh, if their judgment backs Maxim's allegations, which I'm confident that it will, um, it is the uh, the the penalty to Russia uh, is twofold. First, that they must um, compensate uh, victims of this kind of torture, uh, and uh, in this case, it would be Maxim and his family. And um, second, that they would uh, be required under this ruling to actually investigate the crimes that were alleged inside the country to, and, and to bring them uh, faithfully through the Russian uh, just system of criminal justice. And um, uh, interestingly, um, the judgments from the European Court of Human Rights um, have always produced the pressure necessary to get those kind of investigations moving. So um, we, it's going to be another year, probably, before Maxime gets any sort of satisfaction from the courts. Meantime, he and his family are uh, living hard lives in exile. They're still living in the shadows. They're still worried about what, um, what their safety is like because of the, the fact that Maxime is really literally the sole mm. person to expose this um, in a public way um, to the rest of the world. And um, uh, so it, it's going to be another year before that they, they, they might be able to feel comfortable and, um, you know, and do normal things like go out and get jobs and, um, you know, walk down the streets without, without uh, fear of reprisal. Max, you are so incredibly brave to have taken on the whole Russian government. What made you decide to do that, to come out of the shadows and to be the one person that does, does testify? I knew I wanted to do that uh, right away. When they released me from that horrible basement, I started to look for legal ways to battle against these people and to find a way to them. I was speaking with my friends who are lawyers. And everyone told me that no, any complaint that I would make would go back to Chechnya, it would, would be uh, processed there. And so people who would be working on my case would be people who were actually beating me. Uh, and that police station. I knew that it was going to be a lengthy and a very expensive process, uh, but I wanted to do that. Uh, I wanted justice. All my savings were taken by people who uh, kidnapped me. У меня не было ничего. I had nothing. Поэтому я искал, как бы мне себя защитить. That's why I was trying to look for ways to protect myself. И тогда я познакомился с российской ЛГБТ-сетью, которая взяла на себя обязательство помогать мне в этом плане. And that's when I got introduced to the Russian LGBT network, who took on the responsibility to guide me through the uh, through this process. Они познакомили меня с комитетом против пыток, которые собрали основную огромную доказательную базу. Together with the Committee Against Torture in Russia, we started working on this case. В ней были собраны убийства тех людей, которых содержали со мной. We were actually collecting the evidence of what had happened. Три человека. Three people were working on this case. В них были собраны все доказательства каждого моего шага, который я делал. 
And even though we had the evidence, Russia denied everything. Nothing is proved. David, before we end, this film has been shown at Sundance, it's been shown at the Berlin Film Festival, and now here, and it's going to be released on HBO this summer. What is your hope for this film? Uh, well, we, the, the main hope is that we relaunch the awareness of what's happening there, that, that as Maxim says, Russia denies it, that they refuse to investigate, they just say it hasn't happened and it's not happening. Um, we, uh, this film is evidence that it does happen and it has happened and it is still happening. And, um, and, and anybody who watches this film or knows about this film becomes a witness also. And we want, um, we want to uh, magnify the voice of Maxime as much as possible and put as much pressure as we possibly can on Kadyrov and his uh, protector in the Kremlin. Um, and the second thing we want the film to do is to uh, bring uh, support to the network of the, the LGBT network, as he mentions, plus the Moscow Community Center, the two groups on the ground who are doing this incredible, incredible, extraordinary work, and also to help bring support to Maxime in his case as he pursues it through the courts. And you could do that on uh, welcometochechnia.com and make donations um, to, to help further the work that, that needs to be furthered here. Thank you so much. My first act guests today have been film director David Franz, cinematographer Igor Mayakotin, and activist Maxime Lapunov. The subject of David Franz's new documentary, Welcome to Chechnya, which is this year's True Life Fund film at the True False Film Festival. Welcome to Chechnya will be screened three times over the weekend, this afternoon at 2.30 at Jesse Hall, at 12.15 tomorrow at the Missouri Theatre, and on Sunday at 12.45 back at Jesse. Even if you don't have a pass for the festival, Festival, tickets are still available for each of those screenings. And as I said earlier, it will also be shown on HBO this June. Spasiba, Jailo, hang on, I must get this right. Jailayom Udachi. Spasiba. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you. You're listening to Speaking of the Arts on 89.5 FM, KOPN Columbia. And after a short break, I'll be chatting with musician Yasmin Williams, who'll be performing at this weekend's True False Film Festival. Don't wander off. Welcome back to Speaking of the Arts. I have been attending True False for well over a decade and I am embarrassed to admit that I pay almost no attention to anything other than the film schedule. However, a few weeks ago, the Fest's music director, Martin Camus, was on the show and so I trotted over to the Fest's music page to see what he had lined up. And only then did it dawn on me that really we have two major festivals in Colombia this weekend, a documentary film extravaganza and an incredibly eclectic and exciting music fest with everything from Afro-futurist jazz to ambient dream pop and Balkan street sounds to psychedelic electronic dance music. There will be over 40 different musical acts, bands, solo musicians and DJs here for the fest. Each film presentation is preceded by a 30-minute musical performance as moviegoers find their seats. And in addition to all of those performances, there are 12 musical showcases at multiple downtown venues. Some are free to everyone and some require tickets or a true-false past, but all offer a shared stage for a diverse roster of local, national and international musical talent. On Saturday evening, two phenomenal virtuoso guitar players will perform at Calvary Episcopal Church. Greek-American guitarist and composer Andreas Kapsalis and my next guest, Yasmin Williams. Already at the age of 22, Yasmin has won multiple prizes and talent shows and was featured on NPR's Weekend Edition Saturday show and was a standout entrant for NPR's Tiny Desk Concerts. And this is not Yasmin's first visit to Colombia. She was here just last October for the dismal Niche Experimental Music Festival. Yasmin plays fingerstyle, lap-tapping guitar and creates music so ethereally beautiful, so richly melodic and calming that I feel an incredible sense of cocooned protection wow. whenever I listen to it. And so it is such a huge pleasure to welcome to Speaking of the Arts the phenomenal Yasmin Williams. Thank Hi, you. Yasmin. Thank you so much. That was such a nice intro. I really appreciate that. I have been listening to your music all weekend. It makes me misty-eyed, so if I just kind of 
start weeping just I, ignore me well, I, oh that would be difficult okay <laughs> I feel like we're really spoiled that we get you here twice in six months do you like being out on the road yeah I'm getting used to it now um, <laughs> I haven't really been playing out too long maybe like a year and a half so I really like touring especially coming here it's like such a small town but there's so many cool events that happen here it's insane do you, do you like playing for audiences or do you prefer just kind of being in the studio and recording and doing your thing? Audiences. Studios are stressful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me, it's really stressful. I'm a perfectionist, so in the studio, I have to do things over and over again. There is a lovely quote on your website from your U.S. congressman, Jerry Connolly, who says, yeah. if only we could supplant gun violence in America with the beauty of Yasmin's music. And there yeah. is something in your music that speaks to the beauty of humanity. When you're composing what's in your head what are you thinking about when you're composing usually nothing <laughs> weirdly <laughs> enough um most of the time i guess songs kind of create themselves and i'm more of like a vessel for them than actually thinking about something which is weird to say <laughs> you're kind of channeling yeah that's kind of how i feel <laughs> yeah your works are all instru instrumental and there's, yeah. there's no vocals do you but do you imagine lyrics for your works no not at all i am not a lyrical person really at all um other people can and i have collaborated with vocalists rappers singers um on some songs but um me no <laughs> well let's dive right into your music before we go on any more questions because i want to listen to you as much as i can um <laughs> are you going to play i think probably what is my favorite of your compositions which is restless hearts so if you want to <laughs> play that for us that's your favorite that that's is favorite. my favorite so far but i mean you have a new album out so who knows it might change <laughs> so far restless heart is the one that i love the most and after that, tell me a little bit about your guitar. Of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a looker. Okay. We've got Yasmin Williams here in the studio. She's going to be performing at Calvary Episcopal Church on Saturday evening, along with Andreas Capsalis. It's going to be a free concert, and we're just getting her set up to play. Here we go. Yasmin Williams and Restless Heart.
was Yasmin Williams playing Restless Heart from her debut album Unwind and she was here in the studio playing live that was so beautiful you. <laughs> you sounded surprised when I said that that was my favourite why? No, I wasn't surprised it was just nice to hear I mean that song is pretty special to me because it was definitely my first kind of venture into this lap tapping world and yeah I wrote it in high school so oh my goodness like senior year maybe yeah so tell me about your guitar because it's a sky top guitar yeah and it was custom made for you and yes. there were mollusks and fungus um, yes that also so, were involved in it yeah it was recently featured in an acoustic guitar magazine so like the whole history of this is there but yeah sky top guitars made it um the front of it is sick spruce with mollusk holes they're natural um the mollusk burrowed into the wood it was this is basically like driftwood that he somehow like repurposed into a guitar top and I think it looked cool so I asked for it <laughs> <laughs> and the back is um spalted tamarind which is like a beautiful basically a lot of fungus <laughs> yeah it's just like a supernatural sustainable um guitar I like it, it, it so there's, there's no others like this this is a unique no guitar yeah this is yeah one of a kind yeah <laughs> Yeah. T- tell me about um, the tuning of it because standard guitar tuning, I think, is E A D G B E. Yeah, right? that is but not. You this. don't. <laughs> I that. never use that. <laughs> this is open D, so just uh, D major chord. Um, this is my, definitely my favorite tuning. I'm not really sure why. It's just you can't really sound bad. That's probably why <laughs> it's hard to sound bad in this tuning. And yeah, it just makes everything sound very bright and open. I don't think you could sound bad on any guitar. Yes, oh man. gosh, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about growing. You grew up in Virginia. Yeah. Did you grow up in a household of people that played music? We all listened to music. And yeah, my both of my brothers are singers. And um, one of them is really good piano player. My mom played clarinet. I played her clarinet in band. Fun fact. And yeah, my what? dad knows a ton about local music, too. Okay. What made you choose guitar over like saxophone um, or piano or something else? Funnily enough, <laughs> I did want to play sax, but I never got one. Um guitar was just well i started playing because i beat the video game guitar hero 2 (laughs) on expert and i just love guitar from that game like you know like the controller has five buttons and you gotta like tap them super fast and yeah i just love that and just the sound of like rock guitar so i wanted to play that at first but that didn't really work (laughs) i don't know i got bored of standard tuning and like i wasn't i didn't yeah, I wanted to be like a rock star, but that just wasn't the vibe, I guess, after a couple of years of playing. So I started playing acoustic. And at first I thought acoustic was only for singer-songwriters, you know, chords and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I quickly figured out that that's not the truth. You can do a ton <laughs> with it. So acoustic is my main instrument. And so where did this style, the finger-picking, lap-tapping style come from? What were your influences um, on that? Basically, it came from just a series of trial and error and just deficiencies I figured out I had (laughs) so I started playing electric guitar and I wanted to like tap kind of like the normal way I guess like with the guitar upright um but I'm very slow at that and I'm not good so I kind of flipped it around and put it in my lap and figured out I was a lot better at tapping that way so and it's also more natural for me actually playing this way than holding it up standard way I guess and then you also wear tap shoes when you're performing. Yeah. To keep the beat. Yes. When my hands are busy, I use my feet, basically. And then you have a, a, a cello bow. Yeah, I have a cello well. bow. And <laughs> I have like a little guitar hammer thing that I use occasionally in some songs. And yeah. The, you have a thing. What is it called? A ca- oh, yeah. A kalimba. I have two kalimbas, kalimbas too. Okay. Yeah. And I got that idea from um, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Huh. Maurice White, he would play solos. Um, and I always love those. So, yeah, I found one Guitar Center that had no price tag, and I snagged it <laughs> for like $30 or something. And, yeah, I've been loving kalimbas ever since. It adds a great sound to your music. I guess when you're not playing it today, it's not. Yeah. On, it's on a track called Gitcar. Yeah. I think. And it, yeah, is... it'll be on my upcoming album, a track on there. Okay. Two tracks on there. Um, so... There are other people that play percussive guitar or use finger-picking yeah, style, there. but you have really a sound that is unique to you. Thank you. <laughs> I guess a lot of people 
bring up the name Michael Hedges mm-hmm. um, when they're talking about your work. Um, I think Vintage Guitar Magazine wrote about you. Perhaps not since the arrival of Michael Hedges mm-hmm. has there been such a bold acoustic innovator. Um, and it seems like we have a tendency, we always like to compare people with other Definitely. people. Definitely, yeah. Um, how, does, how does that feel being I compared? can't really stand it. Um, <laughs> Because a lot of times people don't know what they're talking. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> so I get compared to a lot of people that I really don't think I sound anything like. Like Stanley Jordan. I love him. He's phenomenal. But I sound nothing like. <laughs> right. I don't play jazz at all. <laughs> I don't play electric guitar. But people try to come up with something, I guess, to make a connection, I guess, between styles or something. Um, I don't really do that. When I listen to people's music, I just take it for what it is. And if I like it, I like it. Um, it's, they're never bad comparisons, so I'm happy about that. There are always people that are <laughs> they're all awesome. great. They're yeah. all yeah. I'll definitely take Michael Hedges. Like that's I'm not going to complain, but I just find it funny. Yeah, I, <laughs> I agree. You don't sound like any of the other people that I listen to when I see. I I'm very to happy other about that. Music. <laughs> like I try to sound, have my own style. So thank you. And I I think that we all have a habit of comparing ourselves to other people, and it can yeah. be kind of overwhelming to the point of being paralyzing because it feels like everything yeah. has been said, everything has been written, painted, composed before. And being original Mm -hmm. is really hard. In an interview a few years ago, you said that you rarely hear a song and think, oh, I want to write like that. Yeah. You have such a strong artistic voice. Do you have to work at that? Or, I mean, were you just lucky to be born with this incredible (laughs) artistic voice? I don't want to say that, but it's a little bit of both. It's not work. It's just a matter of wanting to push myself further. So in this next record I'm doing, I'm teaching myself how to play the kora, a West African instrument, as 21 strings, it's kind of like a harp, in an attempt to push my music past what it is now. And that's gonna, that's fun, but it's also like, I guess it, it keeps it interesting for me and I like challenges, but um, I rarely hear other people's music and think, wow, I really wanna do that. I guess an exception would be the cello bow, I got that idea from the band Cigarettes. Right. <laughs> But other than that, I can't really think of a time. Well, let's listen to another piece. This one is called I Wonder, and it is a new track from Yasmin Williams' upcoming album, which I think is due out in September. Yes, that is the plan.
That was Yasmin Williams playing I Wonder from her album that is coming out later this year. When everything is instrumental, how do you choose a title for your songs? That one's called I Wonder. Mm -hmm. Why? Yeah, normally I don't (laughs) choose titles. I usually have other people name them for me. Um, (laughs) I've gotten into the habit of playing untitled songs at shows and just asking the audience or friends or whatever. (laughs) And it usually works out. So um, I didn't name I Wonder. Um, My mom did, actually. But I was kind of thinking about something along those lines um it was about like political climate and what's happening and me just kind of wondering what's next i guess for the country but it's basically it can be whatever anyone's wondering about (laughs) it's not really about that it's more about just a general i guess feeling of wonderment I mean, all of your music has this kind of very meditative quality. So I mean, yeah. I wander through all of them. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a weird, I don't know why that is. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> music says, I guess, what I normally don't. What is the new album called? Um, that is called Urban Driftwood. Um, I also did not name that. <laughs> um, a fan did on Instagram. And I really liked it, so... Yeah, and it kind of fits the theme of the album. The theme of the album is more like nature, kind of scenic um, things, and this guitar also is a nature, I guess, statement. So, yeah. I I mean, it's made of driftwood in part, so it feels like urban driftwood. Yeah, yeah, it's weirdly (laughs) all coming together. (laughs) Weirdly, I don't know. So you're playing the Cora, you said, on your next album, which Mm -hmm. is a a harp. You're doing it simultaneously as the guitar or this is a separate Um, yeah there's no possible way for me to do that Um, (laughs) I tried so um, I'm using a looper pedal I'll be using a lot of that in live shows now um, for that album and yeah like basically I'm playing the Cora like an ostinato or a little section with that put it down somewhere pick up my guitar or I got a new harp guitar so I'll be using that as well six extra strings and yeah that'll be fun do you know where people can hear you this weekend in in which films you're playing for? Um, I'm playing my show is um, on Saturday at seven at the um, Calvary Episcopal Church. Um, come out to that. And I don't remember all the film. There's I'm playing before like Feels Good Man today, after, shortly after this, and tomorrow. Gosh, I don't remember. <laughs> There's too many, really. <laughs> there is a lot. <laughs> Well, Yasmin, I just am a huge fan of you Thank and you. your work. Thank you so much for taking time to Thank come Thank you for down. having me. This is fun. I love this stuff. It's amazing just to sit and watch you play. Um, my second guest today has been Yasmin Williams. Yasmin will be playing a concert at 7pm on Saturday evening along with Greek-American guitarist Andreas Kapsalis and that's going to be at the Calvary Episcopal Church on 9th Street. The concert is part of the True False Music Festival and is free and open to all. You don't have to have a pass to go and see. Listen to uh, Yasmin play and see her play. You can also find Yasmin's album Unwind on Spotify and YouTube Music. Thank you so much, Yasmin. Thank you. You're welcome to stay for the next little end bit or you're free to, you're free to uh, leave if you have somewhere better to be. <laughs> you're listening to Speaking of the Arts and I'm Diana Moxon. As usual, we'll end the show with a look at some of the events that are coming up over the next few days in and around Columbia. It is True False Weekend and as we're now in year 17 of the fest, it seems like almost all other arts venues are either involved or they're staying dark as really who wants to try and compete with such a huge documentary film fest so this is the weekend to catch some stellar documentaries meet the directors check out the many art installations around town and catch a concert with the visiting true false musicians the fest officially got underway last night but this evening is the big opening celebration at the missouri theater the evening kicks off with a march march parade of the costumed the music makers and the fans which sets off from the courthouse square at 5 15 and ends at the missouri theater If you don't have a pass and want to see some films, there are still plenty of tickets available from the box office, which is located at the Sega Browdis Gallery. And you can find a full schedule of all the films at truefalse.org. There is also a ton of Truefalse music going on at various venues around town this weekend. Tonight at Café Berlin, there is an avant-garde showcase with modern jazz great and Angel Bat-Dawid performing with Tanya Ayer from Montreal, Abstract Black from Nashville and Michigan's Salt Breaker. That show starts at 8 and tickets are $10 or free for some Truefalse. 
Trufos Pass holders. Tonight is also First Friday throughout the North Village Arts District with a new show opening at Sega Browder's Gallery, Music at Outlandish Gallery and a new show of assemblage works by Keith Young at Orr Street Studios. Tomorrow afternoon at the Boone History and Culture Centre there is a preview performance of an original docudrama devised by Stevens College which showcases 12 outstanding Missouri women. The full performance will debut on July the 4th as part of the Boone County Bicentennial Celebration. Tomorrow's free previews will take place at both 2 and 3.30 out of the Boone History and Culture Centre. At Calvary Episcopal Church tomorrow at 7pm, two of the True False Music Fest's contemporary guitar players Yasmin Williams and Andreas Capsalis will share the stage for a free concert that is open to all. And at Cafe Berlin tomorrow evening, the True False Music Fest continues with an evening of hip-hop and soul featuring Columbia's own Loose Loose, Virginia-based McKinley Dixon, Chicago's Jay Wood and Nigeria via New York DJ Ellie Fowler. That show starts at 8 and tickets are $10. Sunday, there is yet more music, art and film throughout Columbia. And Sunday of the True False Fest is often a great day just to wander into the box office and pick up a ticket as inevitably some people have had to leave to take flights home and more venues have seats available. Tuesday evening, the annual music and art concert at the Museum of Art and Archaeology focuses on its new show, The Art of Death. The University of Missouri's Ars Nova Singers, conducted by Michael Sauer, perform a concert of works that reflect humanity's perspectives and reflections on death. The evening starts at 6 and tickets are $10. And at Rose Musical, Columbia Public School's annual Battle of the Bands showcases some of mid-Missouri's up-and-coming high school bands. Tickets are $5 and the evening starts at 6.30. Wednesday evening, it is opening night at the university's Rheinsberger Theatre for Votes for Women, a new play that commemorates the ratification of the 19th Amendment 100 years ago. Evening showtime is 7.30 and the show continues through next Sunday and tickets for that show are $17. Next Thursday, March the 12th, the Boone County Bicentennial Community Collaborative Mural will get its big reveal at the Boone History and Culture Centre. The reveal reception starts at 4 and is free and open to all. At the Stevens College where Warehouse Theatre. It is opening night for the revolutionists Lauren Lauren Gunderson's irreverent girl-powered comedy set during the French Revolution's Reign of Terror, and that is directed by Elizabeth Broughton Palmieri. Showtime is 7.30 and tickets cost $16. At Talking Horse Theatre, the sixth annual Strange New Worlds um, yeah, Strange New Worlds is on stage for two nights only. It's an evening of music, poetry, spoken word, and art devised by Audra uh, Siegel. Um, getting my tongue twisted here Audra Circle um, and that starts at 7.30 and that's on next uh, Thursday and Friday and tickets are $15 and Capital City Productions in Jefferson City is hosting the off-Broadway hit Dixie's Tupperware Party showtime is 7pm tickets are $30 and Dixie's show continues through next Saturday thank you so much for listening to Speaking of the Arts on 89.5 FM KOPN Columbia with me Diana Moxon and my good friend and sound engineer Mike Hagen we'll be back next week with more arts chat and sneaky peeks behind the Mid-Missouri Arts Curtain. Until then, stay arty, Columbia.